Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt podcast? It's okay. Where to hunt podcast? I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, a.k.a. the OKest podcast in the Midwest. Uh, coming at you from the OKS Hunter Podcast Studio. What up, Greg? Well, you know, another day, another few dollars. Dollars spent, I saw, on a new... We're not talking about that yet. No. On a new venison grill meal that you cooked up tonight. There you go. <laughs> you almost blew the lid right We're off We're going to have it. to talk about this later. Yeah, we are. You're a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just witnessed something really hysterical. <laughs> Don't oh do my it. Gosh. Don't say it. That's hilarious. Uh, hey, head on over to okshunter.com and use code w, uh, W2HPODCAST for 10, yes, 10% off. Um, I got some other ads here I'll run, and then we'll talk, and then we'll bring our guests on. How do you, how does that work? That, that works. Good? That works great. Let's do it. Let's do it. You're at work, in a tree stand, or simply waking up. It's important to be alert, and there's no better way to get there than with Backwoods Grind Coffee. Ground fresh for every order, delivered straight to your door. Backwoods Grind Coffee. And that's, uh, just in case you're wondering, that's code WTH Podcast for 10% also. Take a look at your feet. Are you wearing Gum Leaf USA boots? You said no. You gotta reevaluate some things. Each pair is handmade and tested to take over a million flexes. These boots will take just about anything you can throw at them. Use promo code W2H2020 for 10% off your final purchase at gumleafusa.com. All right. And I got a couple more before I get to your fancy, fancy one. Heated Hunts. Uh, you know, they sponsored our Ruck Club Radio. Um, Ruck's done. Ruck Club Radio's done. But I still want to give them some shout-outs here. So, Where to Hunt for 10% off. Where to Hunt. And HeatedHunts.com. Check out Spartan Forge. If you're not familiar with Spartan Forge yet, you ought to be. Uh, SpartanForge.ai. And guess what? We got the biggest discount to offer you for those guys. It's 20% off, and the code is W2H. So uh, save yourself some money there. And by the way, uh, we're giving away some Spartan Forge uh, memberships for our Patreon giveaway day on That's January right. 5th. At least January 5th is the announcement day, but there's still you can enter all the way up until then, that day. So um, head on over to wheretohuntapp.com, and you can go to the giveaway page, and you can go ahead and sign up. It's 5 bucks a month. Every three months, you're going to win something. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate all you guys, uh, not only the listeners, the Patreon people that are really helping us out. Heck yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, it's a pretty great thing. Yeah, you win, we win, everyone wins. Everyone wins. Um, Fleet Farm. Fleet Farm. Look at the screen. Big mm. old Fleet Farm logo. Man, I love going past Fleet Farm now. I get all jacked up. If you want to save some money at Fleet Farm, you can do it online, and then you can do an in-store pickup or just you know ship it to your house. Uh, you can use code W2H10 for 10% off at Fleet Farm. You can get your, I mean, all sorts of your hunting license there. I think I missed the deadline for the turkey tag. There you go. Well, you're going to have to be uh, Johnny on the spot. I reminded you. The day of. Hey, you had the day of. You could have done it. Shit. Well, you're just going to have to uh, be on it 
As of March, as soon as they open it up to any of the extra tags, you're going to have to... You think I'll have a shot? Yeah, you can get what you can get. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, take what I, I'll take what I can get. That's right. It's okay. I've never done it before, so... It's easy. All right. You want to do a... Vector. Vector Custom Shop. Yeah, so if you're looking for a arrow built to your spec, uh, go check out VectorCustomShop.com. Um, if you figure out what you want or if you correspond with them, they can take your bow specs and put together a, a formula that they think will work for you. They might even give you a couple options. And you could order a two-pack in those options, give them a test flight, see which works best, and then go back onto VectorCustomShop.com and look at ordering a half dozen or a dozen arrows. And when you go to checkout, use code where to hunt. To save you 10%. Look at that. That's all the discounts we got today. That's all I got to say about that. Right, Forrest? That's right. I was running. <laughs> You're always running. What did you cook for dinner, by the way? Uh, that was a venison roast. A little little hunk of hindquarter on the on the charcoal grill. What did you get the internal temperature to? What I thought was done. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're on the charcoal grill. It looked good, man. It looked good. Yeah, just, um, you obviously have a really good feel for it. So I was, yeah, I don't, I, honestly, I don't really cook the venison too much to an internal temperature. I just go off of like kind of how juicy it's looking. And this time I, it was a little more done than I like. I like it a little more rare to medium rare. Mm-hmm. And this was done... A little, it gets a little bit little, more gamey the more done it gets, right? Or dries up. This too. didn't actually turn out too bad. Um, I rubbed it down with some olive oil and a handful of spices and got the grill good and hot. Threw it right over the coals, seared it real quick, and then pulled it off and then indirected it for about 20 minutes at about 450, 400, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, for about 20 minutes. And it actually sliced apart real nice and it was not tough. So yeah, turned out good. good. Yeah, good. And then I made a, uh, a side sauce of uh, uh, just some mayo and, and, and uh, a few other things in it. But it was it was good. It's a horseradish sauce. So oh, I hate horseradish. You're a girl. Can't even say the word right. Hey, uh, <laughs> we got who do we got? We we got uh, Jeff Moran, uh, the relentless hunter out of Idaho, uh, big time elk hunter. Dude, uh, your Instagram page is just on fire, man. You are a very motivational person to be following, and we are going to pick your brain tonight. Um, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for uh, having me, man. I appreciate it, and, and appreciate the compliments on the, the page itself. I Some of those pictures aren't very fun to take, because I'm usually by myself, but... Yeah, as long as you guys like them, that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so you got to like set it up uh, and like you know do it a timer or what? Do you got like a little clicker? How do you do it? <clears throat> um, you know it kind of depends on the situation, but yeah, I think I posted the other day. I was on a horse and I had to like get off the horse and go set up the camera over like in those little bushes and make it kind of angled the right way because of the sun, and then go back and get on the horse and got to go trot him around in the trail to try and get him to to kind of come through the area at the the right time and you have a bluetooth clicker either on your phone or um some people have like a little remote and you just click on it and then it goes through like 10 seconds and and it'll snap a handful of pictures and then you got to turn the horse back around and do it all again and that <laughs> literally turn so the horse bad. back it's, around usually when it's like <laughs> we got to go back in circles and you got to do it a few times because you know they never turn out right but uh <clears throat> the ones when it's like on a steep incline slope or something those always suck because you got to go uphill already and you're, you're dying and you're huffing and puffing and then set up the camera and then you got to go back downhill and then climb back up, but you got to go slow. So to make sure like the picture frame looks right and, it, and you're not all blurry. And if it doesn't turn out right, sometimes, you know, I just scrap it because I don't want to deal with that again. But, yeah. I'd be like, no, no, yeah, we're just not going to take this photo. Oh, God. <laughs> what kind of camera are you shooting? I'm just curious. <clears throat> It depends. So sometimes I'm, uh, depends on where I'm at, when I'm at, or like what season and everything. The, the elk hunt in Wyoming, I had a Canon uh, D Mark V, and then this last, um, yeah, I had the Canon in November too, but then I also was just using a GoPro. So you can do like little screenshots, or not screenshots, but the GoPro, the new like Hero 8 Black and the Hero 9 Black, you can take photos like Bluetooth wise. Yeah, those cameras do pretty well 
for for just a little point of view camera, they do a pretty decent job of taking pictures. That's what we're using right here for this live broadcast. Our GoPro. The the GoPro. I know um, I had a hunt that went into full draw film tour last year um, and was paraded around, and there was quite a bit of or there were several scenes that were in that that were with that Hero Eight Black um, edition. And you couldn't really tell a whole lot of different. Well, I mean, you could tell some difference. The color was a little bit off, but as far as like quality and being able to put it on a big screen TV and everything, it looked great. That's cool. That's super cool. Well, okay, man. Why don't you? Uh, I don't know. Introduce yourself. Like, tell us your kind of background with hunting. Where you're from? How you got into it? Um, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, background. So, I mean, so I'm. My name is Jeff Moran, and Relentless Hunter is the social media account. Now, Hunter is just HNTR, so we don't have the whole valve thing going down on that. But um, as far as, like, background with hunting and everything, I, I, I grew up out west. I'm from Idaho, and I was kind of just like most of the little country kids that I knew were everybody kind of you grow up, you idolize your dad, and, every, and my dad and my uncles, they always went out and hunted, and, and so – I started at a young age, so the whole R3 programs and stuff that I deal with now, it's kind of different to bring newer people into hunting at an older age, and I'm always interested to see, like, how they feel and everything once that happens, but um, for me, it was just kind of second nature. Uh, I grew up, and actually, <clears throat> even growing up in Idaho, the first my first couple deer hunts and everything, they were all whitetail hunts, which I guess we can get into that in a little bit, but I was primarily a rifle hunter and I didn't do the backcountry thing until probably about 10 years ago. And then since then the backcountry life and, and hunting like that and hunting in that style and the fitness life behind it has kind of taken on a mind of its own, I guess. Um, Cause now it seems like if I'm anywhere close to, if I'm less than five or six miles from the closest road, then I'm probably too close. I prefer to go as far back as I can and and disappear from the world a little bit better. But um, it, it turns out well. I mean, I've been able to. I've, I've been fairly successful the last several years, and and um, I didn't even start bow hunting until about ten years ago when I began the whole backcountry thing. And uh, and bow hunting is a different animal. Um, it's very peaceful, very quiet. You don't hear the gunshots running off all over the place. You don't get caught up in one of those like orange army world war ii situations where you don't know where the bullets are coming from say nah um, asshole we got rules out here <laughs> exactly i've been in situations where i'm like man i don't know about this so, so that was when I, I think actually when i stopped uh rifle hunting i was like four or five miles back it was on a general season tag in idaho and i was i was on this like ridge top, and I don't even know, but some guys, these two guys, like actually these three guys, they came up like flying up over the hill on a side by side. There's no roads, no trails, nothing. And they had like a, a one of the firearms was mounted to the top of the side by side, and there's a guy standing up in the back. And I was like, Wait, like a turret? I mean, I'm miles Jeez. from the road. Yeah, I don't, yeah, basically. I mean, it's something that you see in, in, uh, one of those like crazy Tom Hardy movies or something. Or, like, <laughs> I don't know. Military movies. It was just not, it was, I was like, wait a second, what's going on here? And, uh, I was, I kind of gave up the whole rifle hunting after that. I got, <clears throat> I got invited. I think the next year I got invited to a lease property out in Ohio to do some whitetail hunting with a bow. And, and then from there I decided I wanted to try and hunt elk with a bow and see kind of how that went. And that was like an experience unlike any other. And, and then since then, I don't think I've, I've picked up a rifle once in probably the last 10 years and everything's just been backcountry bow hunting on public land and over the counter tags. Cause I'm never lucky enough to draw anything. And, uh, like what, what States are you hunting primarily? You know, I'd only, so for like whitetail, I've hunted all over the place. I, I've never been very great at it, but it's all because it's public land. I don't know very much about it. Um, but as far as um, Western hunting, I I only hunted uh, Idaho until this year. This year I went into Wyoming for what was supposed to be a, it was supposed to be like a 10 day hunt where I took horses back. Um, and then well, while I was in there on the hunt, I found out that my area that I usually hunt in Idaho was on fire and you couldn't get in there. And so I ended up staying in Wyoming in the backcountry for almost three weeks until I ran out of food, actually. And then 
I had to come home. I didn't have a choice, but I actually, I ran out of food the same day that I ended up shooting an elk. So I had food to get by for a couple of days, but it was, uh, that was an experience and a half. So that's the only time that I've gotten out of Idaho really to hunt, um, elk and, and mule deer. So what kind of food did you have with you that you were like, what are you bringing out there with you? You know, I bring, um, I prefer like higher quality, like Heather's oil. I, I take a lot of dehydrated meals. Usually I take like Heather's choice breakfast, um, a lot of like little snacks. When you're out there and you're hunting in that fashion, in that way, you're burning up so many calories. People actually don't realize the extent of the calories that you're burning. Um, I watch these deer guides all the time where they're saying, oh, I'm taking like 3,000 calories a day. And there's a, a system to be able to calculate about how much, how many calories you're going to burn a day. And I'm burning anywhere from like seven to 9,000 a day. And if you are only taking in 3,000 and you're burning seven, you're, I mean, you're going to fizzle out pretty quickly. So at that point, it really doesn't matter. You can take candy, you can take sweets, you can take whatever you want. You're, you're probably still not going to eat enough, but I tend to try and like keep everything as lightweight as possible. Um, have you guys ever had like those little honey stinger, like stroop waffle things? Yeah, I've had those. Yeah. We get like yeah. snack nation yeah. at my, at my work. Yeah. They, they came in the snack nation box before, but it's been a while. I've been to the office in like a year. <laughs> so I take a ton of those with, um, with like little single packet of nut butters. And I take a lot of like, I don't take, everybody keeps talking about like gummy bears and I love gummy bears. Don't get me wrong, but they like freeze back there and they hurt my teeth. So I go with Sour Patch Kids most of the time. They go from gummy but to hard candy. Tell people all just like unhealthy stuff. Yeah, pretty much. And then it's just not worth it. So. Um, someone that I, that I've gotten acquainted with a little bit more, um, just founded a company called Anion Outdoors, A-N-I-O-N. And like he's merging science with the outdoors. He's got a, he's not a marketer or a product guy. Uh, he is a scientist and he's all about like extending your like life. And he believes that you can do that through food. So he's an elk hunter and he's creating something that he thinks like is gonna be great for the backcountry. It's more of like um, a puree, like my little, you know, one-year-old, you know, has these little pouches of yogurt, not yogurt. Well, my three-year-old has the yogurt, but my one-year-old has like the applesauce. And so it's kind of like that. So that sounds kind yeah. of interesting. I mean, those would be great. And I've taken like little, um, they have like little candy versions kind of almost of that, that I've seen in the stores that would be awesome. It's the name of the game is calories at that point. So if you can get quality calories and they're not, there's different kinds. I mean, we're not going to break down like different kinds of carbs and everything on the show today, but, um, you can get carbs that are more like they break down. They take longer to break down instead of like an immediate, um, kick and having any stuff like that. If he's going to be able to break, like into that market that would be a great way to go because you need as much energy as you can to be honest and i mean coffee only goes so far so i mean as much food as you can possibly get now i'll do a lot of dehydrated meals and then and then a lot of um i take a lot of like orzo or rice like orzo i think tastes better because i mean it's more like a noodle but Hmm. Um, I and then I make sauces and everything back there too. Or, orzo? Yeah, I haven't. That's a new o- one for me. Or yeah, orzo. It looks like a grain of rice, but it's actually a noodle. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's a little bit better because a lot of times I'll actually shoot like grouse and everything if the season's open. Um, if I can hit them with my bow, sometimes it doesn't go so well. <laughs> and uh, and then <laughs> sometimes I miss and I break a few arrows. So <laughs> it's. it's that just makes you mad. But if I can, if I can take a couple of grouse, it's not too bad. And you take like, um, you guys will love this one. So fireball, a little bit of brown sugar and ketchup make a great barbecue sauce. Oh, um, oh yeah. Um, oh, for the country. That's good to know. <laughs> Dude. Cool. Just get um, those little, those little single packets of uh, ketchup from you just grab a bunch of them on your way out to your gas station. And then, uh, it gives you some flavor. Cause sometimes when you're back there, everything's so bland. Sure. I'm trying to think there was like some YouTuber that I watched when I was going to the boundary waters that like had a bunch of like really cool backcountry meals that you could dehydrate yourself in your, in your, in your oven. And I had taken one of his recipes and I made some of my own, but I didn't realize how effective an oven was at a dehydrator. I was like, 
He's like, everyone has a dehydrator. It's your freaking oven. Just put out a super low temp. And um, I think I maybe even had to keep it cracked open a little bit. And I let it go for like 10 hours. And everything looked brittle and terrible. And I was like, this doesn't look good. And sure <laughs> enough, man, you reheated that in boiling water. And it brought it right back to life. I was like amazed. So we vacuum sealed that. And um, we put parchment paper in there. And we used a parchment paper for fire starter. So we had that. It was pretty cool to do all that on our own. We didn't buy any of the, the store-bought stuff at all. We did our own. It was all venison, too, of course. That's what I had. So we're eating venison in the backcountry in the Boundary Waters. It was freaking great. <clears throat> I have not dove into, like, I'm a great cook and everything, and I could tell you uh, he was talking about making a roast earlier, and I was going to chime in, but I'll keep my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> but if it, Rabbit hole. The... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um i haven't dove into like the dehydrated meals yet to do them myself luckily i mean i'm not gonna lie like i have a decent following and so a lot of those things are like on discounts to me so it's not so bad um but when it comes to i just feel like the prep time on that would drive me crazy especially if i'm going in for like 10 or 15 days like i think uh this year i have the same wyoming hunt and we're gonna go into like 12 and 14 days and i'm like I don't know. I'm just lazy sometimes and I just rather buy it. But the, <clears throat> I guess, well, that said, I did shoot two elk this year. So I've got a lot of meat. That you got I'm a ton of meat. Yeah, that's holy crap. What'd you, so, <laughs> yeah, it's just me too. I don't even know what to do with it. Well, you know, you can come to Wisconsin. <laughs> That'll be some expensive elk meat. When, yeah, by the time, time it gets here. here. Yeah, no doubt. Keeping that cold. So, you know, Greg and I are, uh, you know, we were going to, start to do some planning this evening still um, and like really start to dip our toes in, in working backwards from, you know, getting an over the counter tag, figuring out what zone we're going to hunt. And then, you know, from there, you know, try to fill in as much of the stuff that we might not have from the white tail world and, and try to prep ourselves and see what we need to do. So like as someone that's never done it, we picked some other folks brains before too. Um, elk hunter bro, or elk bros or some friends of ours, Joe Gigliana. I don't know if you've heard of those guys. Um, Super resourceful, yeah, knowledgeable dudes, really friendly. Um, he's a former teacher, so he really kind of brings that spirit to what they're doing. And um, our other buddies. Mitch, um, Mitch is a good guy. And, yep. and, and Brian, too. Yep. From, Mitch and Brian. From, from um, mode. I confused those two the other day. <laughs> it's okay. Mitch Mitch is like, no, no, wrong guy. I was like, oh, sorry, totally, Mitch. Totally wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, no, and then and then the pulling feathers guy over there, uh, Levi and them and, and JD, they they do some elk hunting out that way uh, in in Wyoming. So you know we're starting to just kind of pick people's brains and, and figure this whole thing out. Like, um, since we got you, man, like where should we start? What state are you going to? First of all, it's looking like Colorado because Wyoming. We we should have been drawn for points already, or we should have been putting in for points and. We need, I think, at least two or three points to get where we need to be for a quote-unquote over-the-counter tag the way it works. So Wyoming, yeah, so that, Wyoming's off the I table. actually had one. I Oh, so you haven't bought any points in Wyoming yet? No. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the Wyoming thing is kind of a pain in the butt when you're a non-resident, uh, and which is what I am. So you get it about once every three years. So yeah, you would need two and then you could buy the special fee, which is like double the tag price. It's kind of expensive, but Wyoming's a good one because there's, you're not running into nearly as many people. I know quite a few people that go to Colorado just for that over the counter hunt. They, they kind of open up the floodgates for non-residents. And I know Idaho kind of gypped the non-residents this year. Um, I don't even think you could go. I, I think all the non-resident tags for 2021 are already sold out. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll have to figure some of the timelines for this too. Like, I don't know when that stuff becomes available necessarily. Well, Idaho's tags were available like last month already. And like you had to get on it. And... Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like the 10th of December. I think it was a okay. couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It was a few the 5th or something. And it was quick. It was a quick window. Now, nor- I bought up. Yeah. Normally, Idaho was never like that. Like, you could go buy a tag, non-resident, all the way up, like, to the day that you went and hunted. But they've changed their rules lately, and it's been kind of a wishy-washy system. Who knows what's going to happen next year? They'll change it again, I'm sure. Um, as far as, like, man, where do you start? That's, that's, a, that's a tough one. It's a loaded it's, question, right? 
It is. I mean, there's so many different things that you can go with. You know, my, my biggest thing is, it, are you guys going, well, are you guys going rifle or are you going archery, like September? In a perfect world, we do archery. Based on everything we've heard from people, you know, we were like, oh, let's just go, you know, gun and whatever. Everyone's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You have to go archery. You need to hear those things bugling. <clears throat> <laughs> it's it's <laughs> addicting, let's put it that way. Um, man, my first time out there hunting them, it, it kind of blew my mind because I had hunted cows and shot cows for years, but um, that first time in September was totally different. Um, so yeah, if you can go in September, then like you need, you basically can start learning about the rut and learn as much about the animals as you possibly can. Um, they are different from whitetail. Mule deer and elk are actually quite a bit different where when they like, if they're bedded, if you pick them up in the bed during the middle of the day, then they're gone. Their whole pre-rut, rut, post-rut stages are learning as much as you can about the animals is going to take you a lot farther than just like learning how to bugle. Um, and I've tried to preach that a few times because if you know how bulls are acting at what times of the year and you understand like the different sounds, I know there's um, uh, elk nut, elk nut outdoors is like an app that you can download that, that they go over the different, like um, that they, they go through the different like stages of the rut and how to talk to them and, and what you can do. And me personally, um, I usually try and tell people, especially if you're just getting started going in towards like the back half of September, if it's available, because usually that's when the, the heavy rut is going on and, and herds are bigger and you have bulls or you're more likely to be able to pull off like a satellite bull at that point with just like simple cow calls. And if you're going for any bull, then, then I think that people have a lot better chance that time of the year than they do in that early season, there's probably going to be a, a ton of people out there that disagree with me, but I mean, that's the joy of hunting. Everybody can have their own opinion, right? Yeah, well, everybody I has mean, success doing, a, doing something different. It's no different in the whitetail world too. Yeah. One guy will tell you he hunts and kills yeah. more in the morning versus a guy in the evening. You know, everybody's got their thing. So go with what's working for yeah. you. Well, so my, my like, um, my reasoning behind that is because, usually in the morning and that time of the year um when they're all herded up you usually have like a big herd of cows and then you have one herd bull and then you'll have like four or five satellite bulls running around and they run around and chase each other and everything all night long and then they get tired in the morning and that's when they go to bed and then when they wake up i mean it's kind of like a dude waking up he's kind of ready to go trying to get some and that's just the route they're going so they're going to go to cow calls usually a little bit easier and you're going to be able to pull them off of the herd because they're just looking for well, something some easy <laughs> yeah looking for tail. <laughs> exactly um so that's that's kind of that's my thing because they're not going to challenge the big herd bull the satellites won't and so if you're if you're within like earshot um and the only reason i say this is because it did happen that's the way i went about it for the first several years that i was elk hunting and I would be able to get somewhat close within a couple hundred yards of a herd that I could find that was bugling in the mornings. And then I would get close to them while they bedded. And then I'd wait for them to start talking in the afternoon. And then a handful of cow calls, I'd be able to pull like one or two of the satellite bulls off. It would give me a shot. Um, I was really successful doing it that way. And that was back when, I mean, if it was a five point or a three point or whatever came in, like it went down. Cause I mean, if you've never walked up on one of those things, before and you're used to those whitetail like you walk up on a on an elk that's down you're like oh my god what is this they're um, huge man. they're huge those, i just went to some big. like drive through zoo with my kids on friday and they had red deer there which i believe are in the elk family okay. and we we roll up on this yeah. exhibit and this thing there's two of them they're 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 just insanely big i have not seen a deer up close that large in my life and it's, it looks at us and it goes, Rah! does this big thing, whatever, it's not like a dinosaur. But, and my daughter's like, covers ears, I don't like it, drive away. And I was like, what? This is awesome. Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen, you know? And they're like locking horns and sparring. And it was like, it was pretty cool. Um, and then we get to the elk exhibit and it was like, man, what a majestic freaking animal. But just enormous. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I want to go kill one of these. I'm going to drag it out of the freaking forest. Out of the back you're not country? dragging anything. You're you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Dra- no. Drag is. I'm, I'm using that as like. A, You'll drag a hindquarter, maybe. 
That's so, about it. What's like? What's nah, like? I don't even think that. Oh, that's dude, a lot. Uh, and, t- and several trips, but here. So here's a question. Um, what's like some overlooked stuff that like you wouldn't think about? Like, okay, so like obviously I'm not going to drag it out. We just said that, but okay, where do I get the bags to put the the meat in? You know, what does that look like? I don't even know what that is. I've never done this before. You know. You're talking like a game bag? Yeah, where do you get the game bags? Are they good ones? Are they bad uh, ones? Are there like some that doesn't it doesn't matter or like you know what? Oh yeah. So they're kind of like um, I mean you can buy it. yeah it doesn't matter to me it personally it really does um, especially if you're in the backcountry because that stuff gets heavy if you buy like the Alaskan game bags the ones that look like cheese cloth from the from like Sportsman's or Cabela's that stuff's it's heavy and it's like a one time use thing um, I'm trying to remember what the name I don't have it right close by but it comes in an orange bag and i bought it on amazon for like 10 bucks and they have like four or five game bags in it and they're they're kind of like a a, a white pillowcase almost um a bigger pillowcase but they're more structured so because those like cheesecloth ones they when you have to put because you're gonna have to bone an, uh, an elk out and meaning that you have to cut all the meat pretty much off the bone because you don't want to pack that stuff it's way too heavy um so being able to find like more structured game bags and even like if you got to go to the dollar store and pick up like white like pillowcases that's that's a better bet than the cheesecloth stuff um personally and uh, so what's the difference like what you know that, can i use like a glad garbage bag you know like no. what's the purpose of the cloth like no you want it to be able to breathe okay um you want it to be able to get air through it and and that way that's why like I mean, if you, you guys pull a whitetail out of the woods or anything, the first thing you want to do is you want to pull the hide off because right. then you're going to, yeah, so that way it, like, kind of gets some air to it, lets it breathe, uh, cools it down. It's, just, it's the same type of thing. So you want you want your game bags to be able to, like, breathe and, and everything else. The probably, I would say one of the things that gets really overlooked is what's called bone rot. Um, elk have this, like, weird gland or something with them that, if you knock one down and like, if you just kind of let it lay overnight, then a lot of times there's, it gets what's called bone rot and you might lose an entire elk overnight. Like the whole thing will spoil. And I actually had a friend that they're in Michigan and hopefully they're not listening tonight because I'm going to bring up like terrible memories for them. But they, this last year, um, she, the wife, she shot an elk and they, they bumped him a couple times at night and they decided to let him lay. Um, and they would go back in in the morning and it, I mean, it was cooler. I think they said it was like in the forties, but when they got back, like, like half of it was spoiled. They had lost like the entire back half. Um, oh, shit. and that doesn't usually happen like on deer. And yeah, cause I mean, that's a big animal and you're going to lose quite a bit of it. And actually the, the bull that I just shot a couple weeks ago, um, that was the first time I've ever had like whitetail guys. You guys are, and you might shoot one and leave it overnight and bring the dogs back in the morning. And man, I've never done that before. And it kind of bugged me, but I, I had to do that with the elk that I just shot. And when I went back in the next day, he was in the same spot. He didn't even move from where he bedded last, but I probably lost 30 pounds of meat to bone rot. It had already spoiled like on the inside uh, where it was still kind of warm. Nope. Um, yeah, they can. It's not what you can do to avoid that. It elk. sounds like, hey. Well, the only thing you can do to avoid it is um, to get to it right away, and and you know, provided that the you know the animals expired. Sure. Yeah. But you got to be able to get that thing apart. You know, like I know guys want to get the hindquarters off. They got to get the hide off, get the hindquarters split right at the pelvic, so all that that can cool immediately. That's a lot of insulation yeah. on that animal. Mm-hmm. Not only is it just the hide and the yeah, and it's warm, fat. right? It's doing all sorts yeah. of work. Like you come up and tell me your muscles aren't freaking hot. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so the meat will spoil; it'll the, be um, sour. Yeah, and and now, so I just learned this like four or five years ago, but I learned how to to do a gutless quarter. So I take all the quarters and everything off. I never gut the animal anymore. Um, so I just peel back the hide on one side because I'm usually by myself, and this is not a small animal. Let's put it that way. It's a shit and ton of work. Yeah. Like you got to feel it. <laughs> it sucks. It's terrible once they go down. Like sometimes they go down and you're like, okay, great. And then you walk up to them and you're like, shit. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I'm way Damn back it, in here. Look at this like, 
So yeah, it's gonna be like three days before I get out here. It's gonna be awful. Real quick before you but go into the learning the, how, how you're gutting it, order is a big deal. Yeah. So so is there like two different schools of thought there? Like gutting it first versus just not gutting it and coring out. Like wh- wh- what are the two different like the pros and cons there? So if you if you're gonna gut it, um, so I used to gut it. Like if I if I shoot one at night, a lot of times if I didn't want to go through the whole process of staying out most of the night and trying to to quarter them out and everything and then get get the quarters like laid out i would just gut it and then i'd go back to camp because if you if you're going to gut it you can kind of open it up and it's not you're not going to have the bone rot issue um because you're you're stopping whatever whatever gland or whatever they have inside that they're they're pushing out through the system that's going to cause like the spoiling and everything you're getting all that stuff out of there and you're cleaning them out and basically you're bleeding them out like gutting him and then you can go back and it just kind of depends on how tired you are and, and the whole situation that's going on behind it and how warm it is. Um, it's just kind of a play it by ear thing. Now, personally, nowadays, if I can get on one at night, then I'm going to go, I'm just going to gutless quarter it. So I'm going to take all the quarters out. I'm going to leave the quarters there. I might take some back that night uh, or I'll sleep with the animal. Um, I've actually slept with the animal several times where it's just like, you know what camp is, five miles away and it's one o'clock in the morning. I don't want to come back in here. So I'll just like lay out a tarp and crash on the ground. But okay. But what about bears um, then? Eh. So if you, usually I have like an extra couple things of clothes and then this will sound, uh, it's always weird to me to talk about that, but like I'll like lay the, the sweaty clothes and everything out around the, where I'm at and then I'll pee around the rest of the camp. <laughs> because generally the bears are going to come in, they're going to smell that and they're going to go away. That doesn't, that doesn't sound weird at all. Like that's the thing I would do. Cause I would be like, fuck that. If I got to pee around this camp, yeah. if that feels weird. And I don't care. I, you, you feel really great when the bear runs away. So just saying it out loud. Just sometimes I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, I got to go pee around camp and I don't know, but <laughs> that's how, um, yeah, for the most part, I have buddies that have that have lost animals because they they left them there and they came back in the next morning and a bear kind of torn through things. But I usually have enough like I don't know I may be a skinny guy kind of but I sweat a lot so I usually have like one or two like extra things of shirts and jackets and I leave everything that smells like me around that animal so that way I come back in the next morning and, and I haven't generally had any issues. I say that now, but something's going to happen to me soon. I know it's only a matter of time, but dude, I just heard the craziest story That's... today about an elk hunt. Um, our buddy, um, oh God, am I just going to, my brain is just so done for the day. Um, Rifkin, <laughs> Rifkin, uh, yeah, Austin, no, Corey, okay. damn it. The name. It's not even nice that I'm forgetting the name. It's terrible. Anyway, he sliced his tendons above his knuckle open, gutting an elk. And he said the knife the knife was so sharp, they didn't feel it at all. So he continued the quartering and the gutting and all that stuff, and then ended up the air, and they had to sew his hand back. And he, like, so far, doesn't have a trigger, trigger finger, and he's pissed as shit about that. But it, it sounds like he's going to go through some... Um, physical therapy. Physical therapy to try to get it back, yeah. Dude... It's awesome. funny, but it, I I can see that. Like I've stabbed myself so many times on those animals because especially if you're trying to like quarter them out and they're laying on the ground and you're I mean you're tired, your back is sore, you're trying to like maneuver this animal that weighs like seven times as much as I do, and well not that much. I'm not 100 pounds, but I mean at least like three times as much as I am. And yeah, you I mean they're they're not moving you can't move one i took a guy there was the guy that went in with me a couple of years ago on the the hunt that went to full draw like he walked up to the, <laughs> the bull that i shot was a big bull he was probably 700 pounds 650 and he was wrapped around a tree and the guy was like well we could just move him i'm like oh yeah go ahead give me a shot <laughs> and i watched him like try and pick up a, i watched him try to pick up a leg and like swing it around and he's like pulls back on it a couple times. He's like, yeah, he's not going nowhere. It's like, nope. Where are you going? I mean, where he lands is where he stays. Yep. yep. So yeah. it's, um, when you're trying to maneuver that animal around and at least like pull the leg back and, and everything, I could see people. I mean, I've cut myself so many times. I could actually, 
this year I sliced, I think if you look closely in my photos, you'll see like my whole like right thumb and everything is banded, a bandage up really bad. Cause I had sliced it all the way through like almost to the bone. It wasn't good, but at least I didn't catch a tendon. That would be terrible. If you Dude, I sliced my hand freaking gutting a dough at, during gun season. I don't know what the hell I was doing. I'm like, what the f- wrong with me? This is like the second time I've done this too. So it it happens, and then I'm like I'm bleeding all in this you know dead animal carcass. I'm like this can't be good. I'm not gonna get, I'm gonna get infected, you know. <laughs> Deer COVID or something. Deer COVID. Now I can't have, now I can't advertise this podcast. Cause I said the word COVID in it, so I'm, now COVID's out of the freaking bag. Just say it as much as you want now because it doesn't matter anymore. Facebook's yeah, gonna flag gonna me. Fact <laughs> it's, oh, no. it's gonna get flagged. Oh, the keyword. Anyway, you can't get COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, now this is like super insightful. These are the kind of things that like I find fascinating. So like, you know, when you were out for three weeks, um, you you talked about like, Hey, you know, I was just kind of run out of food and then I got that elk, you know, what is your, are you, are you setting up like a base camp and then, uh, you know, kind of hubbing out from there, like, you know, wheel and spoke, or are you kind of like just, you know, bringing your camp with you every time you are afoot? Um, so I'm different than most people will probably tell you to do it. So Wyoming was different than what I would normally do in Idaho. In Idaho, I would have a base camp that is kind of like a big camp. It's got the coolers and everything else. And then I might hunt two or three miles away. And then if I find elk and, and they're farther back there, like six, seven miles, then I'll go. And I generally take three days worth of food with me at all times. And I take water filters from like Sawyer, um, like some people use like platypus or whatever to, to make sure that every time I can stop and find water, then I'll, I'll be able to, to filter it through and, and make sure that I have water all the time. The hydration back there is the worst thing in the world. Um, and then I'll do, I'll do your typical spike camp. So I'll set up camp getting closer to the animals i won't stay more than i'll make sure that i'm more than like a mile away usually but um and then after two three days back in there then i'll come back out i'll go back to my regular camp and i'll kind of game plan differently um, and then go back in or sometimes i go back and forth just to base camp if i can sit there and glass because out there it's i mean it's way different than whitetail hunting because you i mean you got miles that you can see sometimes um, and you're looking for different timber patches. You're looking for different, different like aspens. Like I know in Colorado, you're going to find a lot of elk and aspens. Um, if you can find an aspen patch in Idaho, then chances are that's where they're going to be too. Uh, I don't know why they love that stuff, but they do. Um, and so you can glass for miles and you can go back there and, and, um, but I would generally have a base camp and then I would, I might spike camp it. It just kind of depends on the whole situation. I kind of play it by ear. Now, Wyoming was different. Wyoming, I took horses in. Part of the reason is because a lot of people always talk about how uh, DIY, like, or not DIY, but like a horseback elk hunt is like their dream that they can only imagine what it would be like. And I hadn't been on a horse in a long time. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. But I'm not, I'm just going to do a DIY because it's actually not that hard. You can actually go rent horses from major, like, ranches out there it doesn't cost very much you got a really crazy story um, about that so, from someone where their horse fell off the side of a mountain uh i'll have to share that with you and I, and I interrupt to say that because there is a caller that i want to bring in so um okay casey out of uh missouri you're live on the word hunt podcast and casey and i were talking the other day about spike camp and i had never even heard the term so now i've heard it twice in the same week this means we're going elk hunting casey welcome to the show man Hey, thanks, Eric. How's it going, guys? I'm good. We're just talking about elk hunting. How you doing, Casey? Man, that's one of my favorite things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we have Jeff Moran with us. Uh, He's known as the Relentless Hunter, No Vowels and Hunter, uh, on Instagram. So uh, we're just kind of picking his brain about, like, some things Greg and I should be considering or looking into as we start to plan this thing out for 2021 if we're really going to do it or not here. Um, so I don't know if you have any questions or, or additions to the conversation I figured, uh, we'll bring you in here. Hey, you know what? Um, <laughs> I've, I've been elk hunting almost every year for the last 10 years. Most of it as a non-resident out in Colorado. 
Um, but I've never actually done a spike camp. I've, I've hunted from a base camp and I've, I've backpacked in and hunted from a bivy camp. Um, but I've never actually set up anything in between. And now I think that's right. Like if, if, if somebody says a spike camp, I think I know what that means. And that's like, you're not bivied in for, you know, a week, but you're not staying at a base camp. Is that kind of right? Yeah, for the most part. So usually my spike camp, I, a lot of times I don't even take like a sleeping bag, especially in September. So I just have like tarp, like a really yeah. nice tarp um, from actually climate makes one that's great. It's a little bit heavier, but I mean, it'll keep you warm. Uh, and it's big enough that you can have a little fire underneath there and I'll just sleep in my clothes underneath there. Some people will take a, a sleeping bag if they have a really lightweight sleeping bag that can fit in their pack and then. Yeah, you pretty much are, I mean, you sleep out underneath the stars, which is kind of an experience in itself. Um, oh, yeah, you're absolutely. Just, you're, you're packing up and you're picking up and you're moving every single day because you don't, maybe you don't know where the herds are at or maybe you're um, kind of, you have these other areas in mind that you want to go check out or, or anything because depending on every single year is different with elk hunting. I mean, Generally, the rut is the same, but as far as like, you got to look at it. Was it a dry season? Was it a wet season? What, what about like the growth? Um, yeah. What are the wolves doing? Uh, I'm pretty sure the Colorado just passed to introduce wolves. So here in a couple of years, that's going to be a bad deal. Um, it was on so the ballot know. and they voted in favor of the reintroduction, but CPW hasn't released a plan yet. But they're already yeah. there anyway. So. Yeah, they're already there. But they're in the northern sections. I think like Steamboat Springs yeah. or something like that. They've got a few of them running around. But yeah, because wolves will crazy. do, they'll make elk do something completely different. And if you guys are going to go elk hunting out there in Colorado, I would suggest you go in the next couple of years because when wolves come in, elk shut up. They go quiet. Well, I would too. <laughs> Look, I'm not telling them. where I am. Yeah. <laughs> they do this like nocturnal thing until they start to figure out the whole situation. Now the elk herds in Idaho and Wyoming and everything now, they're doing quite a bit better than they used to. But for a few years there, man, they got slaughtered. And because they, it was just this apex predator that they didn't know anything about and they had never had to deal with it. And now we got grizzlies are spreading across the whole state and people will deny it. Fish and game right now is probably like, shut up, Jeff. Um, if anybody's hearing me, but I, I mean, we've caught, we've caught grizzly tracks almost covering the entire state of Idaho now, and eventually they'll cause problems. But yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, as far as that whole spike camp thing, it just really depends. So if you're looking for water, if it was a dry year, spike camp is the way to go. Cause then you're going to be moving around. Um, learning to pack food correctly is probably the biggest thing and learning to shed a bunch of the, like laying all your gear out, and then figuring out what you don't need to shed ounces is, I mean, yeah. ounces may not seem like a lot, but it, it adds up. Um, that pack gets heavy, especially when you add water to it. And, and yeah, just you, you kind of pick and move. And, and if you're not seeing anything, there's, I mean, if you're not seeing anything, I had a buddy that went out there to Colorado a few years ago and they were there for like six days or seven days and they didn't even see or hear an elk. And I'm like, well, did you guys like, spike camp it and you keep moving or anything they're like no we just went back and forth to, to base camp and i'm like well if they're not there then why don't you move and they just yeah see they didn't really have an we kind of did a we did a thing this year we had a base camp but we had mapped out uh every access point that we already knew and hunted had hunted in the past and and some places we hadn't been and so we would just kind of map out like okay i'm going here today i'm gonna take this loop or make this path up to tree line and back or whatever. And, um, man, it was a dog and pony show. The place was just covered with people. Um, yeah. everybody's an outdoorsman now. So, um, in an area where we this would traditionally, really yeah, so this year was just crazy. It was, it was a circus, man. I ran into a concert, like an outdoor concert, 18 miles in on a gravel road a dead end gravel road. There was nowhere to go. Did you, and did you grab a beer was, and hang uh, out or what? No, I was too pissed. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> that's, like, what, I, that's when you got to just be like, you I'm know what? Like, I got to soak this up. Cause this is yeah. the weirdest shit that's ever happened. 
No. I love live music. I play a little guitar, but it's like, I also love the wilderness and I don't go out there to freaking see a concert. <laughs> so that's hilarious. I uh, didn't know that, man. My but, gosh. No, like that. I'm telling you generators, uh, fifth, fifth wheel RVs, uh, fifth wheels and, and RVs, uh, tons of vehicles and music as loud as, as loud as a freaking concert. But that's, that's what we were getting into. And so by the time we started finding elk, I was driving, um, almost 30 minutes at four o'clock in the morning and then hiking in and staying low. We weren't even getting up high and finding elk between seven and 9,000 feet, um, in, in places that we had never hunted before. So it was pretty wild. I had a buddy, but it took a, had a buddy two and a half days from, to find them. Wow. Two and a half days. Huh? Yeah. Sometimes you usually take in and, in a new area, it generally takes me a couple of days to find them. But I did have a buddy in Colorado tell me that that now he hunts closer to the road than ever before because everybody, like you said, everybody wants to be an outdoorsman. They're going like seven to ten miles back, and not all the elk are like two to three miles in because they're like, you know what, everybody's yeah, going to walk right by me. That was actually – that is exactly what happened to me this year. I could see a road from just about everywhere – that when I was getting into elk, I was like, shit, I, like if I drew a straight line, I'm only a mile from the road. And that's, that's where I was finding them. You know, if I, one of the things that I tell a lot of people is when they're going out in their elk hunting, the first couple nights, if I'm in a newer area, generally like I'll take my nap during the middle of the day and I'll hunt almost all night. Now I'm not hunting all night. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, because the, the cows and the bulls, they'll talk um, from like 4 a.m. to 6 in the morning. And then they'll also talk 30 minutes, 30 minutes after dark, they'll start sounding off and they'll go for a couple hours. And so if you're yeah. walking around in, in that pitch black at night, you're more likely to figure out where they're at than during yeah, the dude. they're quiet. And I've done that a lot. The when first I, couple of days. Yeah. When I uh, try a new area. And I've talked to several guys. I'll have guys hit me up. Hey, I'm going to do my first non-resident hunt. This is where we're going. So I'll try to do like a, a planning session with them and give them some ideas. I'm like, hey, first couple of days or even more than that, you know, get up really early. Yeah, it sucks, but get up really early and drive around and park at a few spots and just listen. Maybe hike in a little ways and listen. Um, spend your early mornings and, and, and evenings after dark still scouting you need to be using that time that they're active yeah. to figure out where they are yeah because i mean you'll be able to pick those cows up from a lot farther i mean that cow that cow call is not very loud but you can still pick it up from half mile away if you're in the right spot and the wind's doing all right um so yeah and actually i had some buddies that they went from north carolina out to idaho for their first ever like they'd never even seen an elk before in the wild and they went out there like on a DIY over the counter tag like several years ago. And they had basically, we had calls like every month to go over it. And, and I, I told them a couple of times, I'm like, when you get back in there and you start hunting around, like look for escape routes. So you want, you want water yeah. and you want to make sure that you're finding these like little ridges where there, if there's a saddle right there, well, that saddle, they can go left or right down that saddle and be in two different draws and at the bottom and, and they can find escape routes. Cause that's yeah. I mean the same thing with mule deer are going to be the same way and actually whitetail they move whitetail move along those like patterns and those tree lines the exact same way everybody they're looking for an escape route um, and they're they're smart they're not dumb they know what they're doing I mean bulls get a little dumb later in the year but um, <laughs> they're thinking about one thing so <laughs> if you can trick the cows you're in good shape. Um, What's that? I don't know what and, you're talking about. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, look for a place to sleep, guys. Come on. At least once on this show. <laughs> um, they, uh, but yeah, if you can figure out, because they're generally going to stay on the same patterns and the same routines, and and their creatures a habit. They can, they do the same thing all the time, and uh, but they know their escape routes, and so if you can figure out where those escape routes are and everything, then then they can go. Because I remember those guys from North Carolina. They called me after like four days, and they're like, "Man, we haven't even seen an elk. We haven't heard one. We haven't seen any fresh sign." And they sent me some pins 
on on a map asking where they should go and i i circled one of the areas i was like you guys need to go here like this is my best guess because that's where elk can move and they can they can escape four different directions from that one spot yeah and and they ended up shooting one like four or five days later um but they oh that's something actually i'll bring that up now um when we were talking about <laughs> things that people don't think about or maybe overthink or don't yeah over overlook practicing an archery shot at angles is a big deal because you might take a shot at a bull at a 45, 45 degree angle from 40 yards away. And you're going to sail it every single time. If you're not used to that angle. Mm. Uh, yeah. I'll they called me and they were like, <laughs> start shooting off my garage or something like that. <laughs> I've done, Hey, I've done that. So not going to lie. My but neighbors are going to They called me and they're like, man, we missed two. They're like the angles that you guys are shooting at is, deeper than we're shooting at whitetail out of a tree stand. And they're like, we're not used to it. So when you shoot at an elk at 45 yards and they sail the arrow over the top of its back, it's like, well, damn it, what the hell just happened? And there's nothing worse than a miss. And uh, if you guys, (laughs) I just posted that in my Instagram stories, like my 2020 November bull hunt, I did like, I don't know, there's like 30 stories in there of it. And one of them is me missing. I missed a big 330, 340 bull. Um, with a bow, Dang. it was pretty de- devastating. Um, Dang. Oof. <laughs> Man, you'll, it, you'll carry that not, around um, for a while. Yeah, my rest was off, um, and I didn't realize it, but I missed a big 360 bull in November, or in September, too. He was, uh, I had the arrow hit a tree limb on on its way, and I uh, I pretty much cried for like two days. So, Man, so that's uh, crazy. I, uh, dropped, I dropped two big, two big bull. I mean, the the bull I got in September or in November was a three thirty bull, um, regardless. And then three twenty five ish. I don't know. He busted off his whole left side, so I can't exactly tell. But um, and then the bull I shot in Wyoming, he's a good bull. He's like two eighty something. Those all archery bulls. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. So Pope and Young is what like two sixty five. Something like that. They yeah they my last few have all been. Pope and Young, I've, I've never, like, had him go in. The one I shot a couple of years ago, he's a big 330, like, 6x7. Um, that's awesome. That's one, that, that's one that people probably know the most of. There's a big photo in me in the red grass or whatever, climbing out of the yeah. middle of some shithole out in the middle of the country. Keeping it real. Oh, that's great. It is. It sucks, man. Everything about that is terrible. It's it's the most miserable experience you'll ever have in your life, and you'll you'll judge you'll like second guess your like if you want to keep living or not. And then yeah, like, when you get out of there, like it's one of the best accomplishments you ever have. And that's probably the reward behind that is probably why I keep going back and doing it. To be honest. Um, yeah, it's like a. It's, it's a. It's a. I don't know a paradigm really or paradox really because there are times when you question your sanity and you're like why in the hell have I done this to myself what am I still doing out here or oh my gosh what you know why but then it's all done and over and you look back you're like okay well plan in the next one (laughs) yeah (laughs) I I think uh, somebody somebody tagged me in a post the other day and they're like they're like, man, I can't wait till September. I was like, man, I just shot, I just shot one. Like, I need a couple weeks to <laughs> to gather myself before I start thinking about it again. And then I tagged him in a post like two days later. I'm like, okay, I, I, I've had long enough. Let's go. Like, well, dude, Casey, thanks for calling in, man. I, I'll keep her moving here a little bit. We're right at the top of the hour. Um, this, these kind of conversations, yep. man, we could. This is like. We need to have an actual campfire. Could just go get rid of the mics, crack open some beers, and all hang out because this conversation can go on for a long time. And in fact, Jeff, we're going to have to like connect with oh, you yeah. on an additional episode um, when you're not in the woods again oh. here sooner than later to do a follow up or a part two or something. Very cool. Yeah, appreciate the time. Take care, Jeff. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, yeah, Casey. You too, Casey. Thanks, Casey. Later. Make sure I don't drop the wrong call. There we go. Yeah, we could do like a. <clears throat> We could do like a gear guide episode or whatever you want. That's a good um, idea. Let's do that, man. When are you I'm doing it? Probably in the spring. <clears throat> I would say probably. So ATA is coming up. 
That's right. Um, it's virtual this year, which kind of sucks, but usually that's when all the, the fancy new gear comes out. And then we could dive into some of the new stuff that, that's maybe out there and some of the stuff that I take in and some of the things that like I used to take that you don't necessarily need. Cause a lot of times you get back in there and you're like, shit, like I don't need all this stuff. It's way too heavy. But, um, and then doing like kind of a gear gear guide rundown. You guys can dive into what you have and what you're thinking about and, and ask, I mean, ask questions, ask away. I mean, I've packed an elk out in a Jansport backpack before, so I mean, we can go into some crazy stuff. Yeah, you, you don't need everything, but it's good to know. Like, look, if we can learn from your mistakes or aha moments and, and everyone else's too, like the bags, you know what I mean? Like, why the hell? I mean, I'll, I'll cut my teeth enough out there, I'm sure, but it'd be great to get some of these things kind of figured out ahead of time so we're a little bit smarter about our approach. Um you know, we can find success a little bit sooner. Although, you know what? I'm going to be happy to have an adventure, and I could give a shit about anything else other than, you know, blazing some trails and, and you know, finding ways to not kill myself. Um, I don't know. You get a bull into, like, 20, 30. I called a bull into 10 feet this year. It was the craziest shit ever. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, those huge are, animals. That would be, be stoked. And it's all on the ground, too. It's not like you're in a tree stand like on Whitetail. You're on the fucking ground. You're right there with them, you know? Yeah, they're and they're much bigger than you, and you're like, oh, my God, this is this is nuts. Um, I actually had somebody with me, so I drew back, and I was, like, looking back at her, and I was like, how far is he? Like, can I shoot? What should I do? And she was just, like, in awe like, <laughs> at the moment. That's funny. Uh, and that, that in the movie, She like, hadn't experienced that before, too. It was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's great. Well, dude, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to, to hang out with us. We will have you back on. I think after the ATA would be great. Um, doing some sort of gear episode about this would be fantastic. And hopefully Greg and I will know a little bit more about what the hell we're doing. Um, so I'm going to end the live feed. Everybody that tuned in and commented, thank you so much. I put a bunch of links in the comments this go around. So um, all the stuff we were talking about, different gear and brand and food and apps and all that stuff, I, I dropped in as much as I could as we were going here. So if you want to uh, pop back in here and check it out, feel free. All right, the tip of the week this week, if you've made it this far, is to have a Merry Christmas. That's my tip of the week this week. I got not much else for anybody. I've not been doing uh, any hunting. I know Greg's been out a little bit doing some late season stuff. Um, you know, he's had some close encounters and uh, unfortunately has been able to pull a deal or seal the deal there, I guess. But, um, you know, I think tactically, if you're out and still hunting and chasing, um, Get on some swamps and marshes. If it's cold enough, at least where we're at in the Midwest, uh, you can, you know, use that ice to your advantage and uh, get in some some deep areas and, um, you know, find out where they've been living since they've been pressured over the whole season. That would be at least something I would be doing if it were me out there right now. And I'm assuming a lot of other folks might be thinking similarly. Um, so I don't know how effective that tip actually is. And stay warm. <laughs> you know, I invested in some merino wool this year on the recommendation of Greg and a couple of others. And uh, that was a really, really good investment. I'm really happy I did that. Uh, I also, you know, I wear the gum leaf boots early season. I got two pairs of those, the Field Wellies and the Royal Zips. The Royal Zips have some neoprene insulation, but that doesn't really cut it when you're in some super cold temperatures, um, like, you know, sub-freezing. So I did get a different pair of boots that have uh, quite a bit more of thin slate in there to keep my feet warm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. My big thing is stay warm. And, uh, you know, what can you do now that you couldn't have done before? And that's kind of the tip of the week. Uh, yeah, that's what I got for that. General announcements. Look, our giveaway uh, day is coming up on January 5th. It's our Tuesday uh, show, the first one of the new year. Um, we are giving away a lot of fun stuff. So, um, okay. We're giving away a method saddle by Latitude Outdoors, a hundred dollars to Fleet Farm, a Tacticam reveal cell cam. We're giving away, uh, I think it's actually been bumped up because they're so generous. We're going to do five Spartan Forge annual memberships to their, uh, platform. Uh, so check them out at spartanforge.ai. That's the, it's the outfitter platform. And uh, we're going to do a hoodie for OKS Hunter, a hoodie of your choice. And we're going to do a couple bags of Backwoods Grind Coffee 
and also an HHA Virtus uh, dropaway. So it's like I'm, I did the math on this stuff and uh, it's well over $700 worth of prizes. And, you know, I think we only have like 10 Patreon subscribers. We fluctuate between like, I don't know, I think eight and 12 or something. 12 is the most I've seen. Um, the bigger that gets, the bigger the prizes will get. We use every penny of that money to buy the products. Um, I throw in some and then our sponsors and partners throw in some too. So, you know, we're just trying to make this thing bigger and bigger and worthwhile that are um, contributing. So if you should go sign up, it's at wheretohuntapp.com giveaway. You can learn more there. And uh, you know what, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for a great year. We've had a ton of fun. We're going to keep doing what we're, what we like doing, which is having fun, talking about hunting, meeting new people, learning about new products, tactics, all of that good stuff. Um, you know, have a great day. Have a great week. Merry Christmas and hunt public. 